Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hatch Assad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. If this is the first time you're listening to our podcast, thank you for trying something new. I'll just reiterate, Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists, and we love to talk about cars. But before we get to that, I'm going to ask Ben to plug a couple of the recent publications that he's written for. Ben, the, the, the floor is all yours, man. You can find my work at Motor Trend, at Driving Line, and at Inside Hook. And you can find my work at autotrader.ca, as well as TechSpot and EV Pulse and Nouveau Magazine. Ben, I want you to take the reins this week with the conversation, because I think you have a far more interesting car than I have, and you did some pretty cool things with it. So take it away. Well, I don't know if it's more interesting than uh, what you had, Sammy, but it's certainly nearly as large. Um, I drove the 2021 Ram 1500 TRX, or T-Rex, however you want to pronounce that. How do you want to pronounce it? I I say TRX because I'm old school and I I like consonants. Uh, and uh, this vehicle is noteworthy for a couple of reasons. The first is it's the only response we've really had from Ram to Ford's Raptor. Uh, when the Raptor came out, I want to say, what, 2012, 2013, something like that? Mm-hmm. It was the only real Baja truck on the market, the only real full-size desert runner. And it was notable for being fast and tough and rugged and looking the part. And Ram had a truck that was kind of like that in the Power Wagon, which was a 2,500, so a three-quarter ton pickup, a a weight class above the F-150 that the Raptor was based on. But it was kind of slow and ponderous. It was was designed to just kind of crush its way through the off-road landscape yeah. not so, really like pummel the the landscape into submission yeah i mean the raptor <laughs> does that too but it does it at a much higher rate of speed and i've always liked the power wagon it's a cool vehicle it was a, a full you could get winches and stuff with it it, it was fun and rams just kind of evolved the power wagon in that amount of time they didn't really address the the raptor and neither did chevrolet so ford really had that desert runner market all to itself so this is the very first time. Which, hold on, which you and I both know the desert running market is desert runner market is massive, right? It's like in the bajillions of trucks per year. I would say ninety percent of truck owners run through the desert late at night, <laughs> no headlights, I, uh, infrared headset on. Um, dodge- it is. It is- my biggest confusion is to how much appetite there is for this kind of truck because I thought, you know, the Raptor was good enough and now we need to have one that's even more outrageous and more out of, uh, like, out of this world to, to compete against it. Well, the reason that the TRX is so much more outrageous is because FCA, uh, sorry, Stellantis, as they are now known, I can't believe it. I think that's the first time I've said Stellantis on the podcast, uh, as they have a very specific high-performance playbook, Sammy, that we're all very familiar with on Unnamed Automotive Podcast, and that is take older platform that's been somewhat ignored, add brand new Hellcat engine, and the third step is just pure profit. Yeah. So we've seen that with the Charger, the Challenger, the Durango, and the Grand Cherokee, all of which are fairly old when it comes to their uh, origins. These are these are platforms that date back to the mid-2000s in some ways, but they've been kept fresh through lighting changes in terms of styling. Uh, the interior has been revamped usually every four or five years, and now we've got the Hellcat engines that appeared in 2014, 2015 that are helping to kind of be a rising tide that raises all ships. The Ram is a little different, though, because the Ram is on a new platform. It is a very popular truck, and it has not been ignored, Sammy. 
Yeah, and honestly, the Ram, like the the F, the the fifteen hundred, is actually quite a good truck. I mean, I think both you and I um, really like this truck in its regular uh, trim levels, or its more more common trim levels. But when you decide to put a supercharged V eight under the hood, and I also should add that is there is the the other appeal to the to the uh, TRX the fact that it has a V8 whereas the Raptor no longer has that right yeah of course and we'll get to that in a little bit uh, but I oh, do think okay. that's I do think that that is it is an important consideration and I, I think the reason the Ram everyone was had been saying or a lot of people in the industry have been saying you know why has Chrysler waited so long to create the Hellcat truck because they've had all the pieces and it would seem like a no-brainer because the Ram is so popular and the Hellcat is so popular but I think that that's exactly why they waited to do it last because there was no need to make a TRX it's not like they needed to juice Ram sales you know like (laughs) people were already buying Rams they didn't need a real reason to do so uh or sorry they didn't need an extra reason to do so and uh, I think that the reason it finally did end up in the in the TRX is because we're kind of at the tail end of the Hellcat's ability to be a viable engine for Chrysler. This is a motor that uses a lot of fuel. It is emissions-wise probably a, a bit of a problem. I mean, I, I'm sure they don't sell it in international markets in any great quantity. So they're not going to be able to amortize this motor over a huge lineup very much longer. So... I'd say that the TRX is kind of like the last gasp of Detroit's Jurassic period when it comes to giant, super powerful, supercharged V8 engines. Okay, that's fair. Um, I also think it's worthwhile to talk about that it isn't the first time that uh, Ram or Dodge has decided to put an obnoxiously large, powerful engine under the hood of its pickup truck. But the last time they did that, the truck was designed for not for off-road purposes, for strictly on-road purposes. The what was it called? The RT10? SRT10. SRT10? Yeah, the Ram Which was a Viper-powered um, Ram pickup truck. Now, I'm going to blow your mind, Sammy, because that SRT10 truck had about 500 horsepower. And it was a single-cab, short-box truck with a you manual transmission. You 500 trans- in a regular truck now, right? Yeah, like, that's, <laughs> that's, that's true. Well, you can get 500 pound-feet of torque, I think, in the okay. uh, F-150 Platinum, uh, which has a version of the Raptors motor. But uh, that, was a, that was a short-cab a short box single cab truck with a manual transmission. The Raptor, or sorry, the TRX is a four door, huge off road truck mm-hmm. that weighs seven thousand pounds. I'm That's, sorry, you need to repeat that. Seven. It, I thought you meant seven hundred horsepower. You mean it also has seven thousand? Seven thousand pounds, which is roughly equivalent to two base Porsche nine eleven coupes. <laughs> <laughs> and and yet, Sammy. Despite being designed for off-road use, despite it not being a street truck, it is still faster to 60 miles an hour than that Ram was, than the SRT Viper Ram. It'll do it in 3.7 seconds. Holy. Okay. That sounds terrifying. 7,000 pounds. Well, the terrifying part is when you try to stop 7,000 pounds that has just accelerated itself in 3.7 seconds to such a high rate of speed. Okay. And what is that experience like? It is underwhelming. That's how I I would put the... So, the the TRX is a very strange vehicle. I I thought I was really going to like it. And then, after driving it, I came away feeling not much of anything, really. 
Uh, and I think it says more about me as a person, where I am now in terms of what kinds of trucks I appreciate, than it does about the TRX itself. Because this thing really does tick off all those boxes. If you're a Raptor person, you're going to love this truck. Because, one, it has way more power, 702 horsepower. And the only reason it has 5 horsepower less than the Hellcat in the Challenger or the Charger is because it uses a hood scoop to suck in air. And they had to put in a lot of filtration because of all the dust and stuff in off-road environments. So it's it's... it's a very powerful truck. It looks crazy. It's got all sorts of like air inlets and like fl- flared fenders and big plastic chunks and lights in the air intake on the hood for like no reason. It has like a a wheel, uh, sorry, a spare tire in the in the cargo bed, uh, like the Bison package does for the Colorado ZR2. Um, inside, it's really comfortable. It's it's fairly luxurious, like a lot of Rams are at that price point. Well, I mean, especially when it's that four door version, it's like it's quite like it's quite high end. It's, it's super, super it's huge super, inside yeah, as well spacious. as outside, and and um, it it does crazy stuff off road. Like it is fairly unstoppable. I know it's very big, which means you're going to be limited as to what kind of trails you can go on. But Sammy, I took this truck to uh, a, a what's basically. A, a logging access road or a, a um, electric utility access road. And I hesitate to use the word road. It was really a trail of like a few ruts and a whole bunch of mud pits. Like this is not, it's not a graded road. It's not asphalt or gravel. It's kind of a grass path. And uh, in the winters it's used for snowmobiles and stuff. And in the summer you can drive on it. And there were some really deep holes there. Like I would say two, three feet craters regularly uh, along the route the ram did not care you could just floor the gas full speed through these obstacles like like you were skiing over moguls and it would just bounce and slam around and stay really really controlled i was so impressed with how it handled itself because there's sometimes i don't know sammy if you've ever been off-roading where you hit an obstacle and it bounced the vehicle in an unexpected way and it like freaked you out yeah yeah so that Uh, and then it like and then you just Sometimes you just hear the like the skid plate being like, I didn't like that. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I, I know exactly what you mean. So this, I, I thought that's what this was going to be like. It was like, okay, tons of power. It's going to bash its way through everything. And I'm going to feel like deep guilt about how badly I'm treating the truck. But the reality is it has something like 13 inches of suspension, um, suspension travel plus 12 inches of ground clearance. I never scraped anything. The only thing that touched the ground was there's like a kick step for the in the rear bumper that like pops out so you can get into the cargo bed. That popped itself out <laughs> while I was off-roading. But nothing else, no other problems. Um I could not get it stuck even when I didn't maintain momentum just to see how it would crawl through. It has a full-time four-wheel drive system, so it's always on even when you're on asphalt. And uh, it's got a whole bunch of different drive modes. Um, there's like a Baja mode for like for top speed runs. There's a sport mode for driving around town. There's an automatic mode. I had it in mud mode mostly because that's kind of the terrain I was in. And it was just super, super, super impressive. So I came away from that experience feeling like, wow, this is this is legitimately everything a Raptor is and probably more because it, it doesn't have that same kind of – well. The the biggest problem I have always had with the Raptor is just how wallowy it feels in regular driving. Have you ever noticed that, Sammy? Uh, yeah, uh, actually, I haven't spent a ton of time with the the Raptor, so I'm just going off what you're saying about it now. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't. I don't. Is that know. okay? Yeah. I mean, it has to be. But <laughs> Too bad. But the Raptor is a, is a truck that when you're not off road, you really feel like you're kind of 
loosely in control of where it's going at any given time. Like it's it's wallowy. Um, every time you make a turn, when you brake, when you accelerate, the body just kind of feels like it's wobbling around on the suspension because the suspension has so much travel and it's designed to be able to take a, a really strong impact and not break, which is not great for body control in other situations. But the ramp has electronically controlled Bilsteins. And when you're in auto mode, it does have that wallowiness. Like if you floor it on asphalt, even if you're not using launch control, the front end of the truck rears up off the ground and it doesn't do it evenly. Like the left comes up and then the right comes up and you're like, whoa, what's going on? And you're staring up straight into space and then like it kind of settles itself down until you hit a corner and then it kind of hauls itself to one side or the other. And if you put it in sport mode, you can kind of stop that from happening, but then you end up in a transmission setting that's really aggressive. So you're holding gears for a long time. And this is a truck that when I drove it got seven miles per gallon Oh my which god. Is, which what? is crazy. The EPA rating is 12, but like I never saw anything near that and uh you're not going to want to be in sport mode all the time at that rate of fuel consumption. Okay. Um now we talked about its off-road creds. We talked about I mean for the most part how it feels on the street. Uh interior pretty good. Pricing. How much does this thing cost? It's 70 grand for a base model and you can get up to like 82 if you start piling on options. Okay, that sounds uh, actually okay. I mean, in a world Is it where much more than the than the Raptor. Yeah, it's not. Much, I think it's about ten more than the Raptor. But okay. I mean, in a world where luxury trucks are at that price anyway, it doesn't. It's yeah. not really that crazy. Uh, it's the pricing for what you get. I mean, you're not going to be able to find this package anywhere else. It's it's a totally absurd truck. Like it's super fast. It looks ridiculous, and it can go anywhere. But it's huge. It also doesn't fit anywhere. Yeah, at the end of my time with the truck, I honestly did not really want to drive it anymore. Um, Despite all of those things that it does do well, none of those things are things I need a truck to do. And in an urban environment where I live, it was a hassle. It's so huge that driving it was problematic. Like, I could parallel park without any problem... Uh, as long as I had enough space, but for like, you know, like backing into spots at the grocery yeah. store, parking garages, you can forget all of that stuff. It's not going to happen. But the, the other problem is you're the so parking garage. The, the parking garage scenario is so that's nerve wracking to me because, you know, sometimes you, you like, you know, how tall, like the specs are on how tall a, tr- a truck is. And they'll say, you know, that, you know, some garages will have that figure on the entrance in either feet or centimeters or inches or whatever it might be. And then you're like, I need to do those calculations in my head right now. What, how, how tall is it? Am and I who knows how accurate thing? those are too. Like I never <laughs> trust that. Have I told you that sometimes I get a press vehicle and it has the, the roof rails and that's a totally different number as well. And yep. I'm like, well, I don't know what the heck that means. Now. Nah, it's terrible. It's very <laughs> stressful. But um, I, I just, we, we, even when you're driving it, when, when you're not parked, when you're just driving along a city street, like it's so wide, it takes up so much space that maneuvering through traffic is difficult. And like being able to see all the vehicles around you, also not easy. If, if you pull up to a vehicle, you can't see it when it's sitting in front of you. Like you just can't see it. That's how, my, my girlfriend is shorter than the, the hood of this, of the Ram TRX. Okay, like, so you need to, she needs to step back. She's completely invisible when she's standing wow. in front of it. So that's not great. And and it just makes for a stressful drive. So I, I prefer a smaller, more nimble off-road vehicle. I think for me, that's what's fun. Um, I'm not really about huge amounts of horsepower, and I'm not really about overpowering the terrain around me. And I know a lot of people are, and I know this is 
a, a Halo vehicle for Ram, and for what that is, it it's perfect. I mean, it is the most over-the-top pickup truck you could possibly buy, to the point where the next-generation um, uh, Raptor, as you alluded to, there are going to be two versions. There's going to be the EcoBoost V6 version, and there's going to be something I think called the Raptor R, which is going to be a V8 model. Just mm-hmm. to kind of balance out this arms race that these two truck companies are now having. And I like how GM is just like sitting on the sidelines and like doesn't want to get involved at all. I think GM definitely has something. Um, but in terms of performance uh, trucks, they're, I guess they're maybe trying something new with an electric um, focus with the new Hummers. I don't know. That's more of a luxury thing, though. I mean, that, and that pricing is going to be out of this world. Right. Um, I... I'm curious to hear more about how you feel in terms of performance trucks. Are there, is it a thing? Is our performance trucks a thing? And is it a thing that needs to be focused on on road, off road, uh, or a hybrid b- between the two of them? No, I don't, I think, between the two? I don't think anyone's building performance trucks outside of off roading anymore. I think there, right. are, there are these two trucks that you have here. Uh, the Raptor and the TRX, and that's it. I mean, Chevy makes the RST, which is really just its largest engine inside the truck. There's nothing really sporty about these vehicles. Um, the idea that we're getting, the era where we got a street truck that was about straight line speed and maybe a little bit of handling is pretty much out the window, especially when you consider, I think the the F-150 Platinum uh, that we were talking about before with the really fast version or the really powerful version of the EcoBoost V6, I think that might be faster than the SRT Ram was as well. So. Oh. We're at an era where you don't really need to make a performance truck because trucks are already so powerful. But we're also mm-hmm. in a time where trucks are so big and heavy that there's no joy to be had in driving them quickly. Like yeah. on the, on the the street, driving the Ram quickly is scary. Um, I wasn't sure I could always stop or corner in a way that I was comfortable with. It's it's different than an off road environment where there's nothing to hit around you. You know, like the Ram is just so fast. You can really get out of you. The situation can get out of hand very quickly. So you constantly have to be on the alert while you're driving it. And that's kind of, a, it's, it's a tension or a situational awareness that I don't want to always have to deal with. Talk to me about this too. Like the, the Hellcat powered, uh, Grand Cherokee, for example, was, I guess what? 50%. I, I mean, the, 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 um, the TRX is 50% heavier than that thing. That's, a lot. Man. It's way like, bigger. I mean, there's no su- the size comparison between them is. I mean, I would maybe say that the Ram is twice the size. <laughs> wow, it's very so, very and big. I mean, and the Grand Cherokee is one that we actually. It's called the Trackhawk, right? This is the one we talked about before. Yes. Um, I've driven it. It's unbelievably fast. At least the brakes are there are are quite functional, are reassuring, and you feel like even if you are going fast, you, you also are uh, equipped with the brakes to slow it down. To have an experience where that where you have that much velocity at your at your beck and will, and not to have the brakes to go with it, that that is actually a concern. So, so a, tra- a trackhawk is fifty three hundred pounds, so it's still very heavy, but yeah. it's so much more compact as a package that it feels more controllable. But at the same time, I don't want to trackhawk, and I would I would just buy the regular SRT Jeep. I, I find that the naturally aspirated V8 is the 6.4 is, is fine for everything I would need. I mean, yeah, there's, I don't know if there's ever situations where you need 700 horsepower or more than 500, but there are people who want it, right? Like, that's why we have these cars. That's why sure. we have these engines. Sure. And for those people, they'll probably be happy with it if they don't have to drive it in a context where it's stressful. Like, if you live in an area where you got a lot of space and you are going to off-road, then yeah, grab a TRX. 
if you're never going to off-road it, I don't think you'll be as happy with it because the fuel costs are going to kill you. But more to the point, it's not really the kind of truck that's great on a day-to-day basis. You're, you're always climbing in and out of it. It's going to be hard to load cargo in and out uh, compared to a, a normal truck, whatever that means. And it's you're never going to be able to exploit it to its its full potential. You know, it, okay, it would be like daily. On. It would be like daily driving like a, a an Enzo Ferrari or something. I mean, you can do it, yeah, but it's probably not going to be fun in the city. <laughs> but okay, the question is: Is it cool? Right? Like, I don't think so. What? Honestly, nobody. You think nobody got took a look at you in this and was like, "That's a cool truck." I think some people take a look at it and say, yeah, that's a cool truck. But when I drove it, most of the time, I felt like an asshole. <laughs> I felt no. you, were, you were towering over everybody. It was just this impossibly intimidating vehicle. I that... felt like a guy driving an enormous vehicle in an environment where there was no call to have such an enormous vehicle. And um, it just really – the attitude that comes with the vehicle is hyper-aggressive. And that's not who I am, and I didn't want to be projecting that. But every time you're driving this vehicle, you are projecting that. So that's also something to keep in mind. Like it's it's not, there's no way to casually drive a TRX anywhere. Yeah. What was kind of um, funny was after I came back from off roading, mm-hmm. I had it parked in front of my house and it was covered in mud, like head to toe. And I <laughs> this like I was I was walking out of the house to go get it washed, and this little boy, maybe ten years old, was walking by with his parents. And uh, he stopped and he stared at the truck and said, what the hell happened here? <laughs> and his parents scolded him and took him away. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it was a valid reaction to the truck. It is. It is. Um, so, you know, the question is, the, the question has been for years, why uh, won't Ram make something that competes with the Raptor? They have. Are we happy with it? I don't know. I, it prefer, like it. I prefer it to the Raptor. For Do you various think a reasons, Rebel, a Ram Rebel is just fine enough, or the Power Wagon it's is very, good enough. They're very, very different experiences. I don't think you can right. really compare. There's nothing really that compares to the TRX. Like the Raptor compares in a way, but the Raptor still has almost half the power. You know, like it's it's nuts. It's like a 250 horsepower difference between these vehicles. Yeah, and I think the Raptor is a little feels a little smaller too, which is kind of crazy to say considering how nice. huge it is. <laughs> That is ridiculous. Okay. Um, All right. Anything else that you want to talk about when it comes to this TRX? Because I have a car that we should talk about, and uh, I have similar feelings um, the way – or at least I might repeat what you said in a different way. I guess, you know, my my closing thoughts are it's it's really over the top, and it affected me in a way I didn't expect. And I think it's the first time I've driven the Hellcat engine in a product that wasn't fun, like for me. I can I can understand how it would be fun and it is very good at off-roading and its limits are like way past what mine are. But this is this is a vehicle that's just too much for me. Yeah. And I think it's for someone else to enjoy. That's really funny because there's like this this like meme of like Hellcat all the things and now you're saying like okay, wait, slow slow down for a second. Not maybe not all the things. Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> that there's there's there would have been a way to Hellcat a pickup that I would have enjoyed. And this just isn't it. And that's fine because they're going to, you know, they're going to sell everyone that they built. There's nothing wrong with the vehicle objectively, but it is a very specific owner. It just blows my mind for you to call it like big because I know you've driven 
um, heavy-duty pickup trucks, like 2500s or, or something like that. Imagine a heavy-duty pickup truck with 700 horsepower and, like, questionable suspension on the road. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that's what this is like. Well, I mean, I guess that's the difference. I think when you are driving a heavy-duty suspension, uh, a heavy-duty pickup truck, the suspension is actually, can actually be kind of... Um, Harsh, if I remember correctly. Yeah, but there's to, to accommodate the towing load that you would have with, with such a truck. But right? you typically don't drive it at uh, at, at <laughs> yeah three point seven seconds to sixty. <laughs> Plus, it's not floaty in the way that or, or, or squishy in the way that this truck is. Interesting. I mean, okay, like cool. I said, in sport mode, it's not squishy, but you don't want to be in sport mode all the time. There's a custom mode you can probably set it up so that it's you know Goldilocks for you, but yeah. Yeah, who has the time for that, right? When you when you've got a truck that can do three point seven second pulls, you're you don't have time to set everything up. I, I mean, the 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 real Hellcat truck that I want is a short box single cab. Uh, that that would make me happy. I think that would be a lot of fun. They're never going to build that. So. Do they even have? Does Ram even have a short box? Yes, uh, yes Ram right now. Yes, uh, they do. Or, or small and a coupe like a two door. A coupe <laughs> is that what they're calling? Oh, they can, maybe they can market it as a coupe. Yeah, they do. Okay. I didn't know. I haven't seen one in a while. I don't think I've seen one in a while. Well, you don't hang out with all the tradesmen that I hang out with, Sammy. That's trades, true. Trades people. The trades people. Um, I've, got a tr- I've got a car to talk about, which is um, way different than, than usual, I suppose. I got my hands on the brand new um, Rolls-Royce Ghost. It's one of the – maybe the second time I've driven a Rolls-Royce in my career. Uh, the first time being a Cullinan uh, a couple of years ago. And these Rolls-Royces, man – they're they're different animals. They're some different kind of car that is that is hard to uh, transform your mindset into being the person uh, uh, who could afford and, and live with this kind of vehicle. Because as you said, if you don't have that environment um, to like, I mean, I live in a in a condo. I live in a in a, in a I have a shared parking lot, and even like parking that thing downstairs, you get a little nervous. Like, you know, what happens if somebody opens their door a little too wide, or something? You know, it, it doesn't like the look of it, or they can suddenly just you know, if you have a private parking lot, it's a little bit more, or a private parking space or a garage, it's a little bit more uh, comfortable, I suppose. But same whenever you're going out, you're parking it somewhere on the street or what it might be, you just get nervous, I think, when you have a vehicle that costs this much and, and is this kind of uh, different. Well, I we, guess. we talked about this before the podcast, and I mentioned that I don't get nervous parking it because yeah. you know, it's insured, but I do get it's nervous. Insured. I get nervous when I'm driving it because people zoom up and try to take photos of it. Yeah, and absolutely. They don't pay attention to the road when they're doing that, and it can get really scary because uh, you have to constantly have your head on a swivel as they come from all angles and surround you. Let's talk about that. So when you drive a, a an exotic like a like a Ferrari or a Lamborghini, um, kids really get excited about that. They like like children just get, jump up and down on the sidewalks. They're like, "Look at that! That's so cool! Look at the color or whatever it might be, the shape." When you drive a Rolls Royce or a Bentley, it's not the kids who get excited; it's the grown-ups. It's like yeah. the parents. It's who all are the like... divorce lawyers <laughs> can't can't stop there. They can't stop themselves from staring. It is one hundred percent a different atmosphere because there's somebody else who kind of looks at it and is curious about the 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 person driving it, whether or not it's a celebrity or it's uh, somebody who really um, you know worked hard and earned their way into getting something kind of special and unique for themselves. The Ghost is a different vehicle from the rest of the lineup because it is not necessarily meant to be um, chauff- like a chauffeur car. It is 
you know, they say that more people drive their their ghosts than they do their other uh, Rolls Royce vehicles, which I think is interesting. There are also obviously some accompaniments for the rear seat passengers in this vehicle as well. But I guess we should get down to the, you know, why not drive it, right? This is a car that has a, a twin turbo V12 with the, they describe it as six and three quarter liter engine. Uh, which I think, it, it, you know, it's just a fancy way of saying 6.75. It makes, like, let's let's try to get these this figure out. I need to make sure I have the, the horsepower figure just right because I can get these things wrong here. Um, ben, are you ready for this? I'm ready. I don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was, a, that was a total letdown. Uh, let me make sure I got it. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that to you. I teased you. Why am I struggling with this? Oh, yeah, sorry. 563 horsepower, okay? So not as much as your TRX, but that is still a, a, a really generous amount of, uh, of horsepower, and it allows the vehicle, I think, to get 0 to 60 in, like, still, like, uh, under 5 seconds, which is pretty quick for a vehicle that's this big, too. So I've never uh, driven the Ghost, but I have driven the Wraith and the Dawn. Are, they, are these the same platforms? No, so the new Ghost is actually an all-new, is all-new, it's all-new platform, um, and it now uses uh, all-wheel drive, it has all-wheel steering, it has um, a very interesting suspension system, all-new suspension system, they call it a planar suspension system, which essentially has dampers on the dampers to soften out the ride a little bit more, as well as using a camera to kind of preview the road ahead of you and prepare the suspension um, in advance. And I think we've mentioned this before, another new feature with the Ghost is uh, it has like a GPS enabled transmission that can tell the topography of the, the road that you're driving on and prepare the, the next gear. Mm, uh, I think they've had that for a long time. Yeah. So apparently they're making that better. <laughs> Is it super GPS? Like it's yeah, super, super really, it knows it down to the millimeter. Of what You've you're heard of 3d, that. but this is 4d. It knows the timing <laughs> of the earth moving through the universe. You know, it's funny. You mentioned that camera that, uh, watches the road ahead and like prepares the suspension. All I can imagine is like here in Montreal where the roads are absolutely oh, yeah. garbage. Like it would just see the road ahead and give up. Like it would just yeah, go full like, soft yeah, no. and go into There's... limp mode. Like a, a check engine light would come on and it'd be like, just pull over. <laughs> it's not worth it. Um, basically they say everything about this vehicle is on, is new with the exception of the umbrellas that are stashed into, in the door and the hood ornament, um, above the, the grill. Well, you know why? Why? Cause they have a big warehouse filled with those hood ornaments <laughs> and umbrellas. They were like, we only needed 500 and you ordered 501. Now what will we do? <laughs> yeah. Um, so what, what can I tell you about driving this vehicle? It is large. It's extremely quiet. Um, they apparently put like a hundred kilos of, of sound deadening in it, which I believe is what, 220 pounds of sound deadening in it. Um, which is a lot. They found out that the car ended up being, uh, in their, in their pre-production phase, they, they realized that it was uh, a little too quiet and that could disorient people and get them kind of sick. Wait a minute. Like, like how quiet is too quiet? Like a... Like a sensory deprivation tank kind of quietness. Yeah, I suppose so. Like I, have... if you're in the if you're in the the Rolls Royce for too long, you actually start to devolve like that guy in altered states. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and you start having like really weird hallucinations and dreams um, while you're driving, which obviously isn't safe for the people around the car. Um, I mean, in the car, perfectly safe. But they had to actually like cut out sort of or or introduce some sort of like channels or cuts into the uh into the trunk between the trunk and the rear shelf essentially to ensure that some sort of like road frequency 
or a frequency of noise that that's like the road can get into the cabin and uh, and and f- make the comp the the passengers feel a little bit more comfortable. And why and couldn't they just oriented. take the the forward cameras? And yeah. use them to create an interpretive song based on the road ahead, and then pipe that into the cabin. I mean, I think that would be really that would be really good, and I would well, I would love I would really welcome that, especially because in the rear of the vehicle there are two obviously there's two um, giant entertainment screens behind the the front passenger seats, and they should also have like a visualization, you know, one of those really interpretive uh, things that we used to have back in the day with Windows Media Player. Uh, and Windows 98 or 2000 or whatever it might have been. Or even uh, if, you, if you go back even further, it's the um, the demo scene. Back <laughs> yeah. when people used to make demos. And all you did – I don't know if people who are listening remember demos. But like in the early to mid-90s, these people would code like – it was kind of an application. And it would be a vi- bunch of visualizations with some cool music. But the whole idea was to like show off your coding skills and also the capabilities of the computer. This is yeah. before screensavers, I guess. Or before screensavers were anything other than just, you know, random mathematical patterns. And these were a really big deal. And, like, the, the whole there was a whole scene and, like, people would, like, they'd have their favorite demo people. And that's all gone. Like, it's completely wiped out. No one talks about it anymore. This is the first time anyone's talked about it in 10 years. I guarantee you. Well, thank you, Ben, for bringing that up. Uh, I, I'm glad that somebody remembers it and can discuss it in a, rele- in a very relevant podcast, right? Yeah. <laughs> um. What else do you, what else can we talk about with this thing? It was super soft, super comfortable. Um, it's funny because it's so fast, but it never feels fast at all. It always feels like it's capable of going faster. Um, it, it, the the wind noise is really well muted. The the tire noise is almost non-existent. It is so disorienting in the fact that it is like um, isolated always on the road, um, and that is that is definitely a an interesting feeling. I have to add out that probably some of the coolest things that I love about this vehicle, um, the, the doors are powered in like a minivan kind of way. Okay. So, you know, you, you press a button and they can open automatically. Um, and then you, when you get in, there's a button that says door on the C pillar, you press and hold that and the door will close. It's kind of like a minivan, like in, in that way. If you want to open the vehicle, the door from the inside, you have to pull the door handle twice. Once to open the door, and then you pull and hold the door handle, which is like a, a motion towards you, and then the door will automatically start opening, um, kind of automated, like like. So, that. how heavy is the door? Though, like, is this something that's necessary? I don't know how because the doors have like an auto, like a, an auto power assist feature essentially, so that when you start pushing or pulling them, there is some sort of motorized function to it as well. And then when you stop it, there's like a they call it a door break, and it stays its position like that, so it won't crush you or fall into a, uh, an adjacent parked vehicle. So yeah, I would imagine the doors are super heavy. Like I I, I don't know how else to say it, but that's. That's the situation. So does the door have a sensor so that if there is an object on the other side, it doesn't hit it? I I didn't Ben, I didn't test that, so I don't know. I don't think so. All right. It should though, right? I mean you would think so. I mean, we were parked beside a concrete wall or something. Yes. Um I'm I'm not sure about that. That's a good that's a good question. We should find uh, I'll find out. Um I also want to add that the the vehicle also has this uh, this headliner with like stars in it. Not stars. I mean, they're LEDs, but they're supposed to look like a, a star night, a starlit sky. Does it have constellations? I kept looking for some, but there were none that I could um, none that I could point out. So I guess it's not real. Oof. 
Doesn't that hurt? Yes. And then every once in a while, they sh- it 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 distracts you by throwing a uh, a shooting star across the the headliner. What really? Yeah. Wow. Is it always the same shooting star? Nope, in a different place. But they couldn't do constellations. <laughs> I, I I understand. I know. Um, what else can I tell you about this vehicle? It is, uh, it's over the top. You know what's funny is that when I spoke to Rolls-Royce about it, they called it post-opulent and that this is toned down um, in comparison to what the Phantom and the, um, what's the other one called? The Cullinan and the Dawn and the Wraith are. I've heard, and- I've heard Rolls-Royce talk about this post-opulence thing more than once. It, it feels like a way for them to kind of distance themselves from the guilt of being mega wealthy at a time when the gap between the mega wealthy and the everyone else is only widening. Right. Um, I think you're onto something there, but I will I will add there is a there is a little there is a toned down element to it. It has less chrome. It has um, fewer like obnoxious sort of design angles. It feels a little less yeah. um, t- obnoxious. T- tell me how toned down the price tag is. Yeah, why don't we? This thing starts at uh, three hundred and let me get this number right because I suck at getting numbers right. It's almost like you could have written them down before the podcast and had them on hand to who reference. Wants to do, who wants to do that? It starts at 332000 uh, American. And, of course, there's a bajillion options. You're easily spending close to half a million dollars on so this car. So this is a half a million dollar car is a post-opulent product. Like if you're <laughs> – no, no, no. Hear me out. If you're sitting at home and you're like in your manor and, and you're tired of just living the opulent lifestyle, you're like, how can I – communicate that to the world around me i know i'll it's spend five hundred thousand dollars it's a half million dollar car i mean yes. this is it's an amusing type of brand posturing <laughs> yes and it's it weird because they're, they're a brand that doesn't need to do that like everyone knows what rolls royce is no one is who buys a rolls royce if you have a guilty conscience for buying your rolls royce i don't think them saying no don't worry We've communicated to the world that we're post post opulence now, so you can feel okay about this purchase. Like, I just don't think that's a thing. What I really do like about it is that when you buy Rolls Royce, you are given an opportunity to join their. I don't want to call it secret, but it is an exclusive social media network called Whispers. Have you heard about this? <laughs> Okay, why is it named like a, like a 90s Australian soap opera would be named? I don't Next know. week That's... on A Very Special Whispers. I mean, it could be any... No need to call out the poor Australians in there and their soap operas. I'm not calling them out. I'm saying they have good taste and in, in terms makes. of creating amazing drama, daytime drama... That's why Rolls Royce copied them, Sammy. (laughs) Yes. They're finding that their network, which is this social media network is uh, global, obviously, allows owners to connect with one another. Um, They give them all sorts of like really – I mean I'll call them exclusive. I don't know if the people who are used to to, like who own Rolls Royces are used to these kinds of offers. If you own a Rolls Royce, you've never used the internet. I think it's <laughs> very never easy. Needed to. I also want to go back to the Australian thing because if you look at American soap operas, they always have like very declarative names. It's always like All My Children or General Hospital or One Life to Live or whatever. You know, it, it's Whispers is a type of subtlety that you would only see outside of North America. It's 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 that's why I went with Australian because Whispers would feel it, it's filled with intrigue, Sammy. 
And in, I, I in really, a way, I really appreciate you clarifying because you know there were a bunch of Australian listeners who were no, furiously it, typing a, an email to you. You made it sound like an attack when really it was a tribute, <laughs> and I needed to clarify that. Thank also, you. Also, yes. going back to the yes, no one who owns a Rolls Royce has used ever used the internet. In, in in a three-year period before acquiring the wealth required to own a Rolls-Royce. Like, once you've got to that point, you have people who use the internet for you because you don't or, want to get an yeah. internet disease. <laughs> a, a virus, I suppose. Well, call it what um, you want. My doctor can't identify it, but he says that he's pretty sure I got it from the internet. These these this app like like for example they would uh, they they told me about the app they're like oh you know you know customers can can make their own monopoly set uh, wait wait no the, okay yeah. if yeah. you own a Rolls Royce you already play Monopoly with real buildings <laughs> so that's the joke is that the the pieces can be your own cars and and the and and your own assets or buildings uh, real estate holdings which I thought was ridiculous I really had to I had to take a break from reading the press release and talk to the people who has the time point. if you're generating enough cash to buy a Rolls Royce do you have the time to play some weird Monopoly game of your own devising. Maybe um, if maybe if you're like old money and you inherited it and you, your life is just filled with you know emptiness and empty pleasure. <laughs> I don't know. It's, like, it's interesting. What I need to, what I need to add is um, I believe Rolls Royce has been around for like 116 years or something like that. Some ridiculously long period of time. This past quarter, 2021, is its best selling year ever. Uh, yeah. They delivered a 1,380 cars. Uh, I'm not sure if that's in in North America or just in the in the world, um, but yeah, that's a that's a pretty big deal. They've they've been making more and more sales of the so maybe the post opulent branding is working for them, right? Well, the reason they're selling more now is because they're able to build more now. I mean, don't forget, for like 70 years, these cars were built in a shed by some guys. Like it was a <laughs> yeah. very low volume operation. And that's part of what helped them achieve the exclusivity they're looking for. And even today, like, I'm sure they're very careful about how many cars they sell so that you don't end up seeing one on every block in Bel Air, you know? But it, it Rolls-Royce was very poorly managed for a very long time on a business side, and so was Bentley. And that's a big part of why these companies are now wholly owned subsidiaries of much more successful German companies, because they didn't have the business acumen to um, sell 1,300 cars a year. And now it's a very different situation. They're not really required to build their own drivetrains anymore. They're, they're fully integrated into a much sleeker and slicker operation. And that's only done great things for their quality control, but also for their market penetration. You want to talk about, you know, guys making these things work. When they build this car, it is still, it is still quite – I think it's still – there are parts of it that are still hand built. Like yeah, but it's not built. in a shed. It's not like no. you're not like behind a house somewhere getting it done ten o'clock at night on a Friday. You know, from from what I understand, in order to make the the vehicle look like one solid piece um, uh, of like I guess you know car, there's no like separate body panels that you can see you know m- patched together. Um, they put it four pieces together at the same time, and I don't know if you've noticed they they. Like, it doesn't have a place for the rain to properly, like, channel off the roof of the vehicle, which is a, you know, most cars have this on the roof, uh, a little, like, channel or a little, um, I guess, channel. It's like a, a rain, gutter. rain gutter, yeah. A rain gutter. So um, they don't really have this. What they did is they, from what I understand, measured the average 
<laughs> size of a raindrop. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, and, I don't know. I don't know. This is like this is like if you this is how someone would design a rain gutter if they'd never seen water before. They're like, hmm, well, mathematically, it's a raindrop times a million. <laughs> we can handle that, can't we, boys? So I believe that's what they've done. And they put this little uh, gap, this little separation. I believe it's four millimeters or something by the windows. And they allow that's the kind of um, rain gutter, the rain channel along the, the top of the doors uh, based on science, you know. Oh, yeah. So that was my experience with the Rolls Royce Ghost. It's out of this world, honestly. The whole car makes you feel like you're 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 doing something crazy. Uh, as as I just said, it, there is nothing post opulent about this. The 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 ride is super soft, super cushy. It's very it's a wonderful, wonderfully engineered car. But you feel crazy for driving it. I'm not obviously I'm not the customer for it. And getting into the mindset of the customer for it requires the thought process that you would play an actual game of Monopoly with. Um, the actual assets that you have. For sure. You know, we, we joked a lot about this car, but the bottom line is, if you can afford a Rolls Royce, it's one of 10 cars that you own. And all of those cars cost a half million dollars, and it means nothing to you. Like, it is an amount of money that is completely detached from your reality. If you bought one, it has no impact on your lifestyle in any measurable way. Like, it's, it is an insulated form of wealth that 900... And 99.9 million percent of people will never achieve in their in their lifetime. Or uh, achieve is not the word I want to use. Will ever experience. So and, like this is a product that's designed for people whose lives we can barely imagine. And and as a result, you know, it's it's good to make fun of it and find the humor in it. But there it, there is a market for these products. And it's not to say that these this one of ten cards in that person's um, driveway or a garage. This is not a bad car. Like this is an amazing car. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just it's just so different. So it's, it's wildly good. Like I, I used to think that these cars were just glorified. Like when you think about the the Bentleys being, they are related to um, Audis or Volkswagens, or you think of these Ghosts being related to a Seven Series because you know they might have a similar engine or um, a infotainment system, or they're you know they're all owned by a bigger company. This doesn't feel like a BMW in any in any way. Like maybe the infotainment system feels similar, but the way the car drives is special. Like truly special. Yeah, and when you I, sit in it, it's like nothing else. I don't want to detract from that. Uh, and I just want to add, like, there's first class. You know, there's first class tickets on an on airplane. That's pretty fancy. Private jet style is a different is a different thing. It's and even in private experience. jets, it's like timeshare jet versus like jet that only, <laughs> that only <laughs> spins up the engines when you feel like going to France for the weekend, you know? I've never heard of timeshare jet. Is this something that you're into? You've never heard of net jets? No. So you can buy uh, like basically, because owning a jet is obviously prohibitively expensive, but you for can- some. For, <laughs> all right, fair enough. <laughs> you can you can uh, buy a package where you get a certain number of hours on a jet, and like it's it's kind of a thing where you share it with other people. A lot, I think a lot of companies do it because they okay. want to move executives quickly, but they don't want the cost and expense of like having a jet ready all the time when maybe they only need it like ten times a year, kind of deal. Right. It's not cheap to do it. <laughs> it I mean, so you and I aren't getting into. Into a jet times, but it is it is much cheaper than owning your own. Like it, it is. I think it's roughly comparable to like first class travel. Ooh, 
Um, okay, so that's what I have to talk about. But there is some more stuff that we should discuss. There were, um, I guess in light of a New York auto show, there are a couple of debuts that occurred recently that I think are worth talking about. Yeah, so there's, um, no, there's no auto shows this year because, you know, everyone knows why. But that doesn't mean that the news cycle has changed for car companies, which is super weird to witness. <laughs> so what's happening is we'll get like five product debuts on the same day because that's when they would have debuted on the stage in New York or in Chicago which is or overwhelming. In like it's overwhelming for the journalists. And I think it's probably overwhelming for the for the public because now on the same day, they just get like six new cars showed up and you're like, wait, which ones am I supposed to pay attention it's, to? It's just like no one changed the dates <laughs> internally at corporate. They're like, this is our product release cycle and it's set in stone and nothing else dramatic world events will not alter this in any way <laughs> exactly so there's a couple of cars that we wanted to talk about we're going to do the quick hit style um the first one sammy is the hyundai santa cruz santa cruz okay we've heard about this there was a concept of it a, a long time ago um we've talked about it a few times i think it's a compact pickup truck right yeah sort of <laughs> what do you mean it's a, it's, a, it's a it's a Santa Fe it's a Santa Fe with a four foot cargo bed. Santa Fe with a four foot or Tucson, cargo. sorry. Okay, something well, this like is that. Now confusing. Is it not? It's one <laughs> no. of Hyundai's small SUVs with a cargo bed instead of a enclosed cargo area. And it's being built in America, which is cool too. It is right? a foot shorter than a Ridgeline and a Ranger. Um, it comes in front wheel drive and all wheel drive, and it's going to have a pair of, of one one turbocharged four cylinder engine, and I think one non turbo four cylinder engine. Okay. And so uh, it, it's going to tow the... five thousand pounds max, although I probably wouldn't want to do that. So it's essentially the it's it's a lifestyle vehicle. It's a unibody. I was super psyched about the whole Santa Cruz concept from day one. Now that it's out here, I look at it and I'm like, oh, I just want it to be smaller and I don't want a four-door. And it's weird. Like, I don't know. My mind is so twisted about this vehicle. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what the point of this is. It's, are we supposed to – is Honda is Honda concerned about this with the Ridgeline? I don't think I don't, so. I don't think so, right? If, if Honda was concerned about the Ridgeline, it would make dramatic changes to the Ridgeline. It would make a better Ridgeline. Yeah, so exactly. <laughs> Honda is totally cool with selling 30,000 Ridgelines a year to repeat Ridgeline customers. Like That's the entire business model. So, and now Hyundai, I don't know if Hyundai is going after that. No, right? I don't think so. I think they're going after people who have, like, a Subaru Crosscheck and, and, and want an open cargo bed. Like, that seems to be... That I, is, I read online someone that saying that... That is not necessary. Well, I read online someone saying that what this is really going to do is disrupt the Crosstrek to Outback product pipeline. Like, those people, instead of just getting their Outbacks when it's time, they're going to be tempted. Crosstrek to Outback product... So Subaru's the one who, who should be super concerned yeah, about Subaru this. is going to take the hit. Because so of the, like the we Hyundai. shouldn't have canceled the Baja. This is what happened. Well, they shouldn't have, obviously. <laughs> this is what it is, right? It's essentially a Baja. Yeah, in in some ways, it's it's very much like a Baja. Okay. All right. What's what are, what's another car that showed up? Recently? So the other one is the this one is much harder to defend. The Mercedes Benz EQS, Sammy. Ooh, a flagship electric vehicle from Mercedes? Yeah, so before this came out, there was a whole bunch of hype where they're like, okay, so Mercedes is going to build an electric version of the S-Class, except they're not going to call it the S-Class. They're going to make it like a new platform, and it's going to be a direct competitor to their own product, and it's going to be super amazing, and it's going to kind of set the tone for the future. And Sammy, Uh, what happened? uh, Well, I remember they were teasing the dashboard of it. It was called a hyperscreen, and it was 56 inches of of glass. Oh, man. Hyperscreen is your first warning that things are going to go wrong. (laughs) 
anytime anytime someone uses the word hyper to describe a product, it's because they really need to get you excited about it. Right. So this EQS came out, and I have to say it looks almost exactly like a Chrysler 200S, but stretched out and with a two-tone paint job. It is... There's nothing wrong with the car, but it does not look good or exciting or like a flagship luxury product. And I think that that's a huge problem. All right, let me take a look at this thing here. Well, what are you typing? This, this is it? Yeah. This is it? It looks like it the looks kind like of car you would walk... It looks like a... They, it's a half moon. That's it looks like a car you would life. walk past in the rental lot trying to find a more exciting car. Like... I'm sure it's very comfortable, and I'm sure that the drivetrain is great, but I think it was a mistake for Mercedes to make the styling so conservative. I don't know about conservative. It does look like a 200S or a Chrysler 200. It probably has to look like that in order to accommodate, um, what's it called, aerodynamics or coefficient? Yeah, but Porsche didn't make the Taycan look like super conservative, so why did Mercedes go that route? Um, I, into your space? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Look uh, at that sloping roof line in the back. And I, I, we'll talk about interior space again. <laughs> yeah. This looks ridiculous. The it S-Class look looks really stately and like it's like it's worth the price you're paying. This vehicle does not have that kind of road presence. And let's talk a little bit about the grill, the, the lack of grill or whatever it might be. It is, is it glossy? Am I mistaken here? It looks like a glossy plastic part on the front of it's the vehicle. It's very similar to what you used to see on the Chevrolet Volt. It was like that kind of, I think that it was the similar to the opening grill shutters mm. that they used to have. It's, it's that kind of look. This doesn't look great. This doesn't look attractive. It also has a light that goes the complete width of the, like a front daytime running light that goes the width of the vehicle. Uh, which makes it look like it has like a unibrow or something. Not that there's anything wrong with unibrows, but wow, Sammy, wow. Oh no. Um, is there any other cars that showed up? I think there were. There's a new um, Audi Q4 e-tron. I I don't I I don't know. I mean, it's just an Audi Q4. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've got all sorts of interesting. I don't know changes to the to these vehicles and. Um, I don't know. I'm not as excited about these new these new debuts. What do you think? Well, I want to drive the Santa Cruz before I reserve judgment because maybe it's a lot of fun. And if it's a lot of fun, then I'm going to be able to cut it some slack. I'm just worried that they had the opportunity to make a very small, compact, trucklet kind of thing that no one else was making. And instead, they made something that's very close to midsize pickups, but not quite. So is there a market for that? I don't know. I don't think so. Like I said, it just feels like a Baja again. And I don't know if that we've progressed enough from the Subaru Baja uh, technology-wise and market-wise to make another one. So if you have uh, opinions and ideas about the Santa Cruz and maybe the EQC as well, and you want to get in touch with us and let us know what those are, it's EQC or EQS, Sammy? I can't, I can't remember. EQS. EQS. EQC, I believe, was for some reason canceled in America after they flew me the hell to Norway to drive it. Yes. Oh, well, that's probably why. They're like, well, <laughs> Sammy's driven it. No one else needs to. Certainly not Benjamin. Um, yeah. If you want to get in touch with us, there's a lot of ways you can do that. You can go to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. There's a contact form there you can fill out, and it goes right to our inbox. You can also email us the old-fashioned way, benjamin at benjaminhunting.com, or you can get in touch with us on social media. I'm on Instagram at huntingbenjamin, and Sammy is on the cesspool at his Twitter. You can find him there at Sammy underscore hot, like you're laughing. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention is we we've had a lot of people – 
ask us, hey, how can we help you guys out? How can we contribute? We really like what you're doing uh, on the podcast for all these years. And we, 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 we want to, you know, show our gratitude. Uh, we had enough people ask us about that that we finally set up something where if you want to, you can tip us or donate or whatever you want to call it. It's called uh, coffee or Kofi. It's ko-fi.com. And then you just go forward slash unnamed automotive podcast. So that's ko-fi.com forward slash unnamed automotive podcast. I think you can also search for us on, on, on Kofi in general. And you can drop a buck or two in the bucket there and it will pay for Sammy's uh, upcoming, what, you're getting your teeth done again, Sammy? Yeah, of course. And, Especially and, now that we're doing everything virtually, I need my teeth done. This is gorgeous, amazing teeth. Uh, but uh, yeah, so if, if you want to do that, go ahead. If you don't want to do that, it's not going to change anything we're doing. So <laughs> it's just a way <laughs> for you to give back like you've asked us to provide you with. Um, Sammy, if people wanted to find our podcast and listen to those old episodes from years back, how can they do that? I mean, the easiest way to do it, just go to our website, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com, and uh, there's a bunch of buttons at the top of the site that allows you to subscribe to our podcast using your favorite podcatcher. Um, additionally, you can just search for us in your podcast, in your favorite podcast client, and we should show up. If we're not there, please let us know, and we'll, we'll do something about or it. Or we'll, send an we'll... angry letter to that podcatcher. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, Sammy, uh, what, are you driving, what are you driving next week? I've got the new Nissan Kicks. Oh, wow. Well, I'm ready for a Kicks Love Fest, I think, uh, as, as is usually what happens when the Kicks is brought up on the show. I'm driving the Ford Ranger Tremor, so um, I haven't driven that one before, and I'm curious to see how it compares to just the regular not-so-off-roady Ranger. You're not done with trucks yet, are you? The, trucks are never done with us, Sammy. <laughs> That's right. I can't wait to talk to you about it next week, Ben. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.